Welcome to the SSPX Podcast, delivering sermons, lectures, and the spoken word from across the English-speaking world. We will continue with Parish Mission 2019 from St. Mary's, Kansas, delivered by Father Daniel Chevaria on the topic of happiness. This talk is on Our Lord, the Teacher of Happiness. If you would like to support this podcast and make future episodes like this available, please feel free to donate at sspx.gifts. Just click on Angelus Press, make your donation there, and put a note for podcasts. Your donation will be greatly appreciated, and it will be used to bring more conferences, talks, and lectures like this to you for free. Now, here's Father Chevaria. Just a couple of the usual reminders this evening. Today, we're going to see our Lord as being the teacher of happiness, of true happiness. Tomorrow will be the Blessed Mother, and on Friday, St. Joseph. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. We know now that by sin being an obstacle to happiness, we're not talking about imperfection, because none of us here could say that we're free from that. We all have imperfections and weaknesses. By sin as an obstacle to divine happiness, we mean the state of sin, the state of being at the, at a, the heart of what we are, desirous of autonomy, of self-sufficiency, of being our own king, of being separate from God. It's only in the context of understanding just how crippling the reality of sin is that we can understand the importance of what our Lord does, of what our Lord is going to do for us next week. About three years ago, a little more now, there was a big funeral for Judge Scalia, a Catholic judge, Supreme Court Justice. That funeral ceremony for that very public figure was presided over by his son, Father Paul Scalia. Father Scalia, in his sermon, his funeral homily, he began by saying that they were all gathered there because of a very controversial figure, someone who was both loved and hated by many, someone who had an incredible appeal and also for a lot of people was very off-putting. A dynamic figure who couldn't be ignored. And then he followed that by saying, of course, I'm talking about our Lord Jesus Christ. One of those deer in the headlight moments in, in sermons. <laughs> Pretty sure it's your dad in the coffin, but <laughs> not our Lord. But, uh, and he's right. He went on to speak about hope in Christ that united all of them and how our Lord was the most important thing in life, how our Lord is the reality. Because of sin, 
man needed to repair, as we all know. But reparation is a very tricky thing. The people who are often the most aware of it are those who don't need to as much as others. Bad people are the ones who need to repent, and good people are the ones who seem to realize its importance, not the ones who really need to. In order to restore order that's disrupted by sin, mankind needed the perfect victim. It could only be our Lord. It could only be our Lord because our Lord is the only one who's both God and man. In the depth of the level that our Lord is God and man. Only our Lord could give us an offering with the perfect dispositions to his Father, and only our Lord had the divine sense, the divine urgency of just how important that would be. And our Lord, as the perfect sacrifice, teaches us by his sacrifice. Archbishop Lefebvre, in his writings, talks about the effect that was achieved in his missionary days in Africa just through the celebration of the Mass, the sacrifice of Christ. He said the Mass is what civilizes. The Mass is what teaches. The Mass is what instructs. You have to be prepared for it, of course, and you have to be disposed for it, but the most important teaching means that we're given to know about God is the sacrifice of his son on the altar. Catholic civilization is built around the altar. And attack against Catholic civilization always will attack the altar. God gave us his son to remove the obstacle of sin from our happiness and our Lord Jesus Christ, his son, accomplishes this by sacrifice. St. Therese was once asked by one of her fellow sisters, well, told, more like not asked, her, uh, her fellow, another nun in the convent, told her one day, you know, you seem extremely confident that our Lord loves you. You seem to be extremely confident in God's favor and in God's mercy. How can you be so sure that you're pleasing God, that you're pleasing Christ? It seems a bit presumptuous to just blindly trust like that. And St. Therese said, it's easy to know if you please Jesus. You just have to sacrifice for him without looking at your own faults. It's easy to know if you love our Lord, you have to sacrifice and not look at yourself. We've all just been through 
are almost finished Lent, where we take resolutions, we do penances, and those are important things. But it's important to remember that if those resolutions aren't ways of expressing and desiring to increase our love for Christ, they have no value, none. If penance isn't an expression of charity and seen as a way to get closer to someone and not to become something, it's meaningless. It might make you a naturally virtuous person, but that's going to do you no good because you're meant for a supernatural end. It's meaningless. Penance is meant to be an expression of love because our Lord comes to teach us how to be happy with his Father, and the way that he does that is by sacrifice. And sacrifice is something that we do for someone else at our own expense. True sacrifice. We give something to someone at our own cost. The use of our own efforts, our own energies, our own abilities, whatever it might be, it always implies giving something to someone and not to yourself out of desire and love. Lent isn't meant to be uh, an intense session of Catholic self-help or Catholic Weight Watchers, although some of us could probably use that. <laughs> Not Father Rutledge, of course. I have to be careful. As he, uh, we were having a meal together, and uh, one of the priests said, yeah, you're making fun of Father Rutledge a lot, which is just kind of natural for me. I don't even realize that I'm doing it. And uh, <laughs> I said, well, you know, just a little bit. And Father Rutledge said, Oh, there goes your stipend. <laughs> He's a nice priest, Father Rutledge. Great friend, generous person. Thin, penitential. <laughs> yeah. Sacrifice is what Christ comes to teach us. He comes to lead us to happiness and to his Father through that sacrifice. And... Anyone who wants to follow him has to do so by the same way. When our Lord predicts his passion to his followers, and he did that three times to his disciples, once when he does it, St. Peter says, Lord, that's no. No, no, no way. You, a great teacher, a holy person, having to undergo suffering under a false accusation and be put to death like a public criminal? No. And our Lord doesn't correct him gently at all. He says, get behind me, Satan. He doesn't say, you don't quite understand yet. He doesn't say, I'll, I'll teach you more about it. He just demands immediate acceptance of the passion. If you don't accept that, 
you'll have no part with Christ. And later on, another time when he predicts the passion, afterwards, the mother of James and John, like any good mother wanting the best for her boys, brings them to our Lord and says, I want them to sit at your right hand and your left when you come into your kingdom. And our, the only thing that our Lord promises them is that they're going to suffer, the passion. And he asked them, can you drink the chalice that I'm going to drink? Meaning, can you undergo the sacrifice that I'm demanding of everyone? And he doesn't promise them any particular place in his kingdom. He just demands sacrifice. If you want to have an easy life, then you'd better leave now because Catholicism isn't for you. Our Lord promises no one an easy life. He promises them happiness on God's terms, and he promises that through sacrifice. And we're constantly stuck. We know that. But we want to have a life without problems. We know what our Lord demands, but our nature kicks in and we think, oh, no, I, but I'm supposed to be happy here. I'm supposed to be fulfilled. I'm supposed to have it good. No. That may be something that God may promise to people or God may give, not promise, excuse me, to, to people in the world because their, their afterlife won't be so fantastic, but not to those that he loves. As we'll see tomorrow, look at the way that he treats his own mother. Our Lord promises suffering and the passion because our Lord's constantly teaching us the way to happiness is by Sacrifice. God demands that from us. There was a very famous Catholic woman, Dorothy Day, who lived in the early part of the 20th century, 1900s, and ran a very famous soup kitchen in New York City, did an apostolate with the poor in New York City. all of Father Arabagis' extended family, if you can imagine that. <laughs> Must have been rough. Um, <laughs> she got a lot of requests from young idealistic people who wanted to help her in her work. I thought, oh, wow, this is great. You know, you're there, you're with the poor. It must be so rewarding and enriching, and I want to be involved in that. I want to go and help this, this famous woman in this soup kitchen in New York City. Give meaning to my life. It'll make me feel good about myself. And when those recruits would interview with her, she would tell them, look, there's two things that you need to know about poor people. Just two, and you'll understand them perfectly. The first one is that they're ungrateful, and the second one is they smell. 
You're not going to have a sensible, rewarding experience necessarily working here. That story illustrates a point of intention that's very important for understanding sacrifice. Our Lord wants us to live his cross as he lived it. Not in our idealized version of what our cross should be. Because you know all of us have sacrifices well picked out in advance that would be perfect for us and we're so strong and tough so we can do them. And then other things that actually happen to us, well, we're not too good at those sacrifices. We'd be much better at these other ones. Our Lord always dealt with real people where they really were. He talked to them. He spent time with them. He lived with them. He worked with them. He didn't try to make them do anything except profess faith and follow him. He didn't demand that they be any particular way or have any particular gifts, just faith in his father and following him on his path to the cross. We're all surrounded by real people, very real people. And it's so tempting to make our spiritual life something separated from them, and it can never be that. I don't know if you're familiar with the book The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. I'm sure that at least some of you are which is a correspondence, a fictional correspondence, between a young devil who's trying to tempt and to, to lead his, his first soul into damnation, and an older, more experienced devil who's his uncle. Screwtape is the young devil, and Wormwood is the older mentor figure. And the entire book is a correspondence of letters between them. In one of his letters, Screwtape gets very excited because he's gotten his person, let's say, uh, to have a lot of uncharitable thoughts of anger towards the Germans, as this uh, fictional work was written around the time of the Second World War, and his uh, person was an Englishman. Wormwood writes back and says, look, you're wasting your energies. He's not going to come into contact with the Germans. At least he didn't, thank God, because if the Germans had actually made it to England, then perhaps <laughs> the history of the world might be a little bit different than it is right now. But that being aside, what Wormwood says, don't waste your time making him hate people that he's never gonna come into contact with. Make him have those thoughts about his mother, about his family, about his coworkers, about his friends. Make him rub the wrong way against people that he's around all the time, not people far away. You want him to have 
noble thoughts and high thoughts about people who he's not going to see. That is a lesson in the negative sense about the way that we should be. Our charity should be the greatest towards those who are immediately around us. And not in a fake superficial way, in a way of sincere friendship. The Catholic life is something that's essentially communal. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to be lived together. And that can mean biting your tongue. It can mean making a correction to a friend. It can mean all kinds of different things. You know your circumstances much better than I do. But it always involves those around you. You can't avoid that. And following Christ on his sacrificial way is always, in one way or another, going to involve those people in your immediate sphere of influence. I've mentioned already in a previous conference about the term Christian values that gets thrown around so much today. It's what we're supposed to have in common with every person who professes that our Lord Jesus Christ is God and isn't a member of his one true church. There is a true sense in which you can say Christian values, and that's what we're talking about now. The sacrificial road with Christ through the mass that he left us to heaven. The way that it's used is horrible. It means not having problems. It means you're wholesome, that you have a clean life, that you have no personal problems, no health problems, and no moral problems in your family. You live by Christian values. I don't know how carefully those people read the Bible, but Christ doesn't seem to care much about Christian values. He eats with prostitutes, touches people with infectious diseases, and spends time with the dregs of Jewish society, the publicans on multiple occasions. Our Lord demands confronting the reality of sin by sacrifice. And we like to put um, a cover, a shade, a veneer over our sinfulness because we don't want to confront it. We want to pretend that it's not there or it's not that big of a deal, or everybody else is the same way, and I'm okay because I believe that Christ is God, and I live by Christian values. Wholesomeness and tidiness. We have to live by truth, which at times means dealing with things that are unwholesome and untidy. We can't be concerned with the way that we seem, but the way that we are. The way that we are is valuable and matters with God, not what we have, not the values that we claim to have. Because what we are, by God's divine gift, is 
people who have the opportunity to share in the sacrificial love of his son on the cross and by that death to be truly happy. And as we'll see tomorrow, sharing that life with Christ means sharing the blind, crucifying faith of his mother. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.